Hey, I'm Jillian. And I'm Jessica. And this is Not Not That That Kind of Girl Podcast. We wanted to create a platform for women to speak transparently about their relationship to food and what they're learning along the way. Trigger warning, we do speak very candidly about disordered eating, body dysmorphia, and everything under that umbrella. So if that makes you uncomfortable in any way, please turn off this podcast and we wish you all the best. Thanks for listening. We are so excited for our third week of this podcast because this week we have our other sister Jordan hi (laughs) hi we thought it would be interesting to to kind of get the perspective of somebody who has um actually what I consider to be a very healthy relationship to food um and and what it was like for her to see her her two two sisters have sort of eating disorders. So um, we're so happy that she's here to share her perspective. Yes, we are three sisters. Um, I'm the youngest. And then Jordan and Jess are two years apart from each other. So I think it's also really cool to kind of hear your experience, Jordan, like between like such an age gap because you and Jess grew up together. And then you kind of were like another parent to me until I was older. But before we get into all of um, your observations and all that good stuff, will you just tell us a little bit about uh, who you are, what you do, your elevator pitch? Yeah. Um, so I'm Jordan Martindale, used to be Van Neal, and I am currently a writer. I do marketing writing, and I do some travel writing and some gear reviews and stuff like that. Pretty much anybody who pays me, I'll write for you. Uh, within reason. Um, and I'm the mother of two children, two amazing children. I live in Boulder, Colorado. Uh, so I moved to Colorado from New York city in 2009 and consider this my forever home for now. I usually get like a four year itch of wherever I'm living and need to move, but I haven't felt that I've been here for 10 years. I'm married to Cameron Martindale, who is wonderful. I'm so grateful to have an amazing partner in my life. And yeah, I am. I was the youngest of our family for 11 years, and then I became the middle for the rest of my life. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's pretty much my elevator pit. Oh, um, okay, great. So I guess, Jordan, usually we ask, when was the first time you... Um, I don't know. When was the first, is there like a moment that you remember with Jess or like observing that food was something other than that food could hold the power of something other than like nutrition or, you know, like, was there like a moment when you were younger, maybe that you noticed like, oh, I enjoy food this way. And like my sibling doesn't, or like it's affecting my sibling in a different way. Yeah. I'd say my first Definitely my first, uh, I I don't want to say aha moment, but the first moment that food became something other than just food was definitely observing Jessica's relationship with food. Um, to be, to be fair and totally honest, I was absolutely the observer in our family. Like I was observing everything. Um, so I was very aware of a lot that was going on. And so I was very aware of Jessica's eating disorder, but very disconnected from it. 
Um, so that was the first time I noticed that there was something different um, about a relationship with food, that it could have sort of a negative power um, for somebody. Interesting. Jordan, do you, re- I mean, do you remember, cause I remember mom and dad constantly being on like fad diets. And for me, I think that was the first time I had like realized, remember like fit for life and the Atkins diet, there was always like some new, yeah. you know, weight watchers and, um, Nutrisystem, like there was so much going on at that time too. Like the eighties was such a, such a time of like fad diets and, yeah. and, and skinny, skinny, skinny and the neighborhood we grew up in. And I don't really remember any sort of chronology um, in the the dieting. And really the Atkins one is the only one that I remember. And And I really feel like that was pretty much my relationship with food until high school was just watching other people's relationship with food and other people's dieting and other people's things. And, um, yeah, I feel like I was just sort of like once removed from this thing that was happening all around me and it didn't really start to impact my personal decisions until high school. Like it became a little more intimate, um, in high school. In what way? Well, I remember my best friend, Allison, she, her parents were doing the Atkins diet or is that the one that does like the protein and the this and then that? I don't even know. Really. The zone. Anyway, I remember anytime I was over at her house, um, there would always be this like Atkins version of dinner, you know? And I viewed Allison's relationship with food really healthily and I viewed her parents as very healthy because they were both thin. So I definitely had that messaging in my life, like that thin equaled healthy, um, which I think anybody that grew up at the time that we grew up has that association. Um, and then when I was a sophomore, I remember this so vividly, our parents had been divorced. We moved to Ridge Path Courts, the condo that we lived in before we moved to Villa Antigua. Um, and I remember I wanted to try, oh, it was the zone diet. That's the one, the zone diet. That's what it is. Um, so I wanted to try the zone diet and I tried it for like a week and I made myself the same breakfast every morning. And mind you, like, I don't even... I don't even remember mom being there. Like, I don't even think mom was there when this was all happening. Maybe she was. I don't remember. But I would make myself like zucchini, onions, and egg whites. And to this day, I cannot eat zucchinis, onions, and egg whites. Like, it makes me gag to even think about it. Because it brings me back to that moment where I was like eating this disgusting breakfast. And I think it lasted for maybe four days. And I was like, ah, oh, screw this. Like, there's no way I'm ever doing this again. And that has been, for the most part, my relationship with diets is like, I'll try something and be like, four days later, be like, this is so stupid. <laughs> um, is pretty much how dieting has functioned for me most of my adult life until I had children. Um, so... I think that was the only true diet I tried. And then I had like fast. I remember watching a lot of my friends in high school, specifically um, one of my friends. Um, she would, I remember watching her. She would like eat a snack wells cookie, which are the most disgusting, unhealthy things you could possibly put in your body. And then doing crunches to like immediately after she had the cookie and just looking at it and being like, this is crazy. Yeah. Like, 
what is even happening right now? And I remember her mom was very, very thin. And you could tell that her mom had a complicated relationship with her because she wasn't thin like her mom. You know, she was by no means chubby, like at all. She was a very normal child um, in terms of her size. But she had this complex relationship with food because of her mother. And I remember just watching it and thinking, man, this is this is crazy and really intense. And I'm so glad that I, I don't have that. And it's interesting because when I reflect on our childhood, I think about the pressure that was put on you, Jess, and how that resulted in this dysfunctional relationship with, um, or disordered relationship with food and how it affected your body and exercise and, and, you know, how that impacted your life. And I think about how, it impacted my life in an, in like the opposite way that there was no attention put on my looks. There was no attention put on my body. I mean, to be fair, I don't think there was like just a ton of attention put on me because I was the third. And I think just the third ends up being sort of like, you're fine, <laughs> survive. Um, but I remember like reflecting after listening to your, your story and sort of reflecting on my own childhood. And I've, I've reflected on this before is like, I think I was saved from this idea of eating disorders because there wasn't any focus put on my, the way I looked or the way my body was or anything like that, um, at least until later in life. And, but at the same time, it impacted me negatively because I grew up thinking I was ugly. Like no one ever told me I was beautiful when I was little. And so it's been really interesting as an adult because even to this day, I think of myself as the ugly sister because there was never attention put on me from a physical standpoint. And that was the world we lived in. That's the world we grew up in was that that was valued. And so I saw this like showering of beauty and affection and attention given towards you. And there was none of that towards me. I was like the tomboy. I didn't really get a ton of attention from, you know, I don't know. It was always very secondary. Um, and I like, don't, I can't think of any time growing up that I was told I was beautiful. And it was interesting because it didn't really click for me until later in life. I was talking to one of my friends. This was after I had Rosie and I was talking to her about how I wanted to make sure that I had a really good balance of like qualities that I was complimenting Rosie on as she grows up is like, oh, you're so smart. You're so, you know, you're so creative and you're so imaginative and you're so interesting. And she looked at me and she said, and so beautiful. And I was like, yeah, but I don't want to put any like pressure or focus. She's like, yeah, but Jordan, little girls need to be told they're beautiful too. And it was this moment for me where I realized that I had never been told that as a child and how it had sort of impacted me. And so anyway, I just think it's interesting to see how, you know, the buckets that our parents put us in affected us all in very different ways. And to me, it, it saved me essentially from, um, this super complicated relationship with food. Um, excuse me. That doesn't mean I, I lived my adult life without the pressures of, of, disordered eating, trying to creep in. And I also want to say, you know, I have a pretty strong faith in God. And I, 
went to church a lot. I went to Sunday school a lot. I think I had discussions with my Sunday school teacher about disordered eating. So I really do think that my faith um, in God and kind of a higher power also really helped me in avoiding going down the wormhole of disordered eating because every time I would be tempted, I would sort of ground myself back into my faith. So I do think that was a, a like a really pivotal tool for me to reach, reach onto as these moments became, um, you know, more and more apparent in my life. And I do, I did have minor bouts with like controlled eating, I'd say, um, or like more strategic eating because I was, I was a dancer for a long time. And so it's really hard to be a dancer without having any sort of relationship with food. And, that manifested itself in more, um, more just like, I'm going to have one cookie instead of three cookies. And, but I would, I, I, I feel like I never, I've never deprived myself of any one thing. And, um, then I probably never will because I don't ever a want my body to think that it can exist without a cookie. (laughs) I just feel like that's a depressing life to live. Um, And I would rather be like three pounds heavier and eat cookies than not. Um, But I do remember when I was a dancer, I would, I would be more careful with what I was eating or I would, I went through this phase where like, I would let myself eat whatever I wanted, but I would only have like one really big meal a day. Like I'd make sure that like my other meals were more on the smaller side and then I'd have like a burrito and that was like, yes, my burrito was like my big meal for the day or whatever. Um... And then I did have one bout with bulimia, which is, I remember it very vividly, vividly. Um, I was at, I was in college and I had gained my like freshman 15, you know, I was, I was very chubby in college. Um, and I remember at being in my dorm room or my dorm bathroom at my college and leaning over the toilet and I tried to stick my finger down my throat and I could not do it. Like literally just could not do it. And then I was like, Oh fuck this. This is so stupid. Um, so that was really my, I think that was my like severest, that was the point where I think that moment really solidified that I would never do that again. I was like, I will never try this again. This is not okay. Like, and I think I probably, um, I went to a Christian college, so I think I probably dug into some soul searching and some scripture to try and help me through that moment. Um, Yeah. And then I would say my, the more complicated relationship with food started after I had children, because I think as women, we are told not to be chubby after we have children. And that's like, everybody's body, um, handles pregnancy very different. And I think there can be women who work out every day when they're pregnant and still gain 30 pounds, 60 pounds. Like it's, totally easy to do that. And I think it just depends on your body. And I'm already a very tall woman and I'm already a very curvy woman. And so I think that was definitely something that was a challenge for me after I had children was coming to grips with my body as very different and not being able to, um, be as fit or fit into my old clothes or whatever. I mean, I still like have, I have this stupid bin in my garage. It's called my chance and hell bin. And it has like my jeans that are size 29. I'm sorry. Did you say your chance and hell bin? 
<clears throat> yes, that's what it's called. It's called my chance in hell bin. Like there's a chance in hell that I will ever fit into these clothes again, but I'm not getting rid of them because I think they're so beautiful. Um, so I have this ridiculous bin that I hold on to. And a lot of the stuff in the bin isn't even, a, a lot of it's like more sentimental. Like they're just really beautiful clothes that I can't let go of because I have, I worked in retail for a while and I had really beautiful clothes. So like I can't get rid of them. Well, you could also turn it into a pillow. That, what was that? You could always turn it into a pillow. I could turn it into a pillow. <laughs> I could turn it into a pillow. Like probably never will, but they bring me a lot of joy. And the fact that like, I don't know, maybe one day Rosie, my daughter could wear them, um, is amazing. I'd, I'd totally rather keep them for 10 years than get rid of them because I just love them so much. Well, so wait, uh, Jordan, I want to, I want to talk to you about, about your daughter, Rosie. You said her name. So now I know we can say it. I didn't want to like <laughs> share yeah. without your permission, but, sure. um, you know, you, you talked about sort of your observation of, um, the eating issues that I was experiencing and your relationship to food and how you felt largely ignored because there was a lot of showering of attention on me. And, um, I wonder, uh, you know, and then also how important it is for young girls to hear that they're beautiful. And also like for me, in my instance, I, I would have loved if people had said to me, you're smart, you're athletic, like, right. you know, you have an aptitude for these things, but you know, we can't go back in time. I'm just more curious around how you are sort of dealing with Rosie. What, what are your tactics with her to allow her to feel valuable, both because she's strong and intellectual and interesting and such a leader. I mean, this kid is like insane and amazing and I adore her. And she's also very beautiful. Um, so what is, what are you, and, and how does Cameron? Um, it's, it's all a, a learning journey as she gets older. Um, I think we're actually about to crest into this new world of peer pressure that I feel um, really underprepared for, but here we go. Um, but I think just what you said, we try when we compliment her to compliment a lot of different areas of her. And not to hone in on one quality that she has, um, but really highlight all of the wonderful things that she brings. And we talk about beauty that her beauty comes from her light and that her light shines so bright. And we do say that a lot. Like if she, if we say something like, oh, you're so beautiful, Rosie, or something like that. And we say, where does that beauty come from? Come from? And she goes, it comes from my light. And so we... We really try to make sure that she understands that her beauty is not just physical. It comes from her soul and it comes from her expression. And she has such a, a dynamic expression. Um, and we really try to highlight that. And the other thing um, that we try to do is help her feel proud of herself and not put like our pride of her as a pressure of any kind like this um this past week we just found out she scored like the highest in her class on this stupid test that you know these standardized tests that they take in school which ironically I don't care anything about like she could fail them and she'd be just as wonderful and smart as she is um but it was it kind of caught me off guard that she scored high, uh, that she was the highest in her class on this test. And I mean, I know she's very bright, but this was something very academic that was an achievement for her. And when she came home, 
I really was like, okay, how do I, how do I highlight this and celebrate this without it being like, I'm so proud of you because I don't want her to have any sense that like her behavior is related to the pride that I feel in her because I'm just proud of her, like her expression, how she lives her life, everything she brings to the world. There's literally nothing she could do that could change my pride and joy in her. Um, and so I just asked her, I said, well, do you feel proud of this accomplishment? And she said, she said, I do mom. She said, I've worked really hard. Um, I feel really proud. And so it's like, you don't know how you're going to handle these things until they come up. And, you know, we had this other moment this past week or two weeks ago where she was wearing this sweatshirt on like a 95 degree day and she was wearing it all day. And I was like, what is she doing? Like I'm sweating just looking at her. And I knew she had this tank top under her sweatshirt called her sharky tank top. Cause it has a little shark on it. And she loves it so much. And I asked her, I said, Rosie, do you want to take your sweatshirt off? I had picked her up from school. We were home. And she said, she said, okay. I was like, I'm just really hot looking at you. Like it's really warm. And I was like, isn't your sharky under your shirt? She's like, yeah. I'm like, but you love your sharky. She's like, yeah, I just, I didn't want to, I didn't want to wear it at school. And I was like, well, tell me more about that. And she said, well, sometimes people make fun of me. And I said, because of your tank top. And she said, well, yeah, sometimes people just make fun of me. And so I took a moment, like reaching out to the universe. What the hell am I supposed to say right now? And I just looked at her and I said, Rosie, you don't have to change anything about yourself so that the world accepts you. I was like, if they can't accept you, there's something wrong with the world. There's nothing wrong with you. You have a perfect expression of who you are and you should never change that for anyone. And you could see her just sort of like melt. And then she like got this big smile on her face and wrapped her arms around me. But I am like freaking out because I feel like we're like in this new phase where this shit's going to happen all the damn time. And it feels really kind of stressful and overwhelming to imagine having to navigate this world of like peer pressure and, um, you know, beauty consciousness and all those things. I mean, at home, we don't have a lot of mirrors. Rosie actually really wants a mirror in her room. Um, so I'm going to get her one because we try to just not put any pressure, good or bad on anything. Rosie loves to dress up. She loves makeup. She, I mean, she is as girly as they come. Um, but we try, like, I know that when she puts makeup on, when she was little and wanted to put makeup on, I would always like check her and make sure she understood that this wasn't going to make her look more beautiful. It was just a really fun way to express herself because her, you know, her beauty comes from her light, but it's a fine balance. I mean, and it changes all the time. It's like, how, how do you, especially if you grew up not having a model of like, how to do this it feels so like just like you're grasping at straws constantly Mm -hmm. well I wonder I wonder too just about that you know in in showing her how to honor her own expression and her own light what that's gonna feel like um for her in understanding that like so, you know, there's a lot of these like comparative beauty models, right? Like you yeah. never felt beautiful because I was always <clears throat> doted on. 
But like, I think you're very beautiful and way more photogenic than I've ever been in my entire life. Like you look great in every photo you take, right? So like my perception of you is very different and I don't feel a woman on the street, I feel less beautiful, but that wasn't always true. Like that's actually relatively new uh, because for me, one of the, one of the beautiful things about this last sort of ringing out of this eating disorder and these anorexic behaviors is that I was able to really look at them from the perspective of an adult and go, I have got to shift. I have got to change. Like there's got to be a better way for me to feel good about myself um, and not worry so much about the external world's perception of me because, you know, that's kept me from wanting to feel free or it's kept me from feeling free rather to um, just go out there and and get what I want, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I'm curious about these like comparative beauty standards and, and what we can do to like challenge ourselves not to fall into that behavior and how we can then uh, take that to the, to our, our children, our young girls, our young boys, right? Like, so that boys yeah. aren't like, she's pretty and she's not like, yeah. here's a bamboo, here's a oak tree. They're both beautiful. So what? Yeah. Well, it's really it's really interesting to hear you bring that up because if you asked me if I felt any sort of comparative relationship with beauty externally outside of my family, I'd say absolutely not. Like there's no I feel no sense of like, oh, that woman's more beautiful than me or, you know, like I certainly feel the like, oh, she's definitely skinnier than me. Um but I'm also working through that relationship that I have with just comparing size. But when it, from a beauty standpoint, I literally only feel that way with you and Jillian. And it's so weird. Like it's so weird because you guys are like my closest, most precious, most, um, desirable relationships, you know, with women. And so it's, I, I also feel a very strong sense of like self-worth in myself. Like I can definitely separate that for the most part. Um, but like when the three of us are together, like I often feel invisible. Like I just feel like I've sort of am in the background and that absolutely directly comes from our upbringing. Like I don't think I ever was in the spotlight until I was like, hello, I'm in the spotlight, you know, like, and I literally went on stage. Like that was like the only time all of a sudden I got attention in that way. And it's really funny as an adult to like observe these behaviors in yourself and, and be able to intellectually be like, that's totally fucked up, but then also still feel the thing, you know? <clears throat> Jillian, you've been so quiet. I know. uh, I'm just, yeah, I'm just, I'm just processing, but I'm also thinking from an editor standpoint now. So I'm trying to like really think before I speak after editing last week's episode. Um, But I did want to like, Jess, I love that you brought up, you know, like the comparisons and um, like how we can prevent that for our young girls and, you know, young boys. But I think, like, Jordan, obviously, like, I I mean, I just think you and Cam are the best. You're really the only, like, you're, like, parents to me, you know? So it's been, like, so incredible to see 
you both parent and a lot of times like I'll you know I'll reach out to both of my sisters I mean I reach out to Jess and Jordan when I need (laughs) most things but Jordan I love that like that's how you define it to Rosie like it comes from your light and that you're you're um like giving her that foundation and that framework at such a young age because I think especially you know you talk about how you really leaned into your faith in moments that that maybe you were like in talk uh, like enticed to go down a rabbit hole of an eating disorder or focusing more on your vanity and you really leaned into your faith and you know Rosie also has that so i think it's really incredible like i've only just leaned into that about myself like going through this process i think i've talked to both of you about this but like, you know, being in fitness and teaching classes, it's really hard. It's really hard as I'm healing and being like, no food is off limits. And I'm just going to like not think about what my body looks like. I'm going to think about how I feel and what energy I have. Um, but like, you know, the second that I step into the studio or whatever, like I can go down the rabbit hole, but I, I literally say that to myself, like, I'll say we don't do this anymore. And then I'll say like, my light is always there. Like that is my value in this world. Like I have this light about me that people talk about either if I'm on stage or if I'm teaching or if I'm in a room and that's like a gift that, that I was given. And how can I like share that? with other people and like redefining that as something that's that's beauty you know and that's not external that's not how thin I am or how beautiful I look that day or if I blew my hair out or if I have makeup on or like whatever that's just like something that's always there so I feel like Jordan I'm so thankful that you know that's the way you define it with Rosie is that like the light is always there and that's where your beauty comes from and that's from within um and that's essentially it, right? Like healing from the inside out is at least the approach that I'm going through right now with Jessie Golden with her program. And um, it's just really helpful. But yeah, anyways. Yeah. And recognizing that like everybody has that light, you know, like we all have this incredible individual expression and one is not better than the other. And I think that's the other thing that I feel like is a struggle with me in how we were raised is that I feel like unless we were better than other people, we weren't valuable. Like that we had to be better somehow. And if I can teach my children anything, it would be to be comfortable with mediocrity. <laughs> like that their light as just a normal human existing in the world doesn't have to be an Olympian, doesn't have to be the best, doesn't have to do outside of what anyone should just accomplish in their life. Um, that that's, that's, that's a really wonderful life lived, you know, like that there doesn't have to be this sense of, oh, I have to achieve a certain level of success or beauty or size or professional status to feel like I have a valuable, um, gift to give the world. Like it's something that feels it just feels like that's something that's so valued in our society is that unless you've like, quote unquote, lived the American dream where you've like pulled yourself up by your bootstraps and, you know, done whatever, it's like just living a life well lived is enough of a life, you know, like it doesn't have to be something, um, I don't know. It's just something I think about a lot. I do want to go back real quickly because I feel like there have been some really helpful tools I've had when it comes to food with my children. Um, 
I follow this woman on Instagram called Kids Eat in Color, and I highly recommend anybody who has children or doesn't have children um, to check her out. And she talks a lot about how food is not good or bad. It just just does different things for our bodies. And she talks a lot about how to relate what food does to our bodies by color. Like red foods do this and orange foods do this and white foods do this. And um, it just is like having the approach of when my child wants a cookie and they say to me, Ooh, that's not healthy. And I'm able to say, Oh, all food, you know, food is not good or bad. It just does different things. Like this cookie is going to taste really good. And it's probably going to give you a short burst of energy, but it's probably not going to last you like this piece of cheese would last you, you know, or, you know, something like that. And so she's really helped give me the tools to have more conversation around food and what it does for our bodies. And it's also helped me in my relationship with food, um, especially post babies. And then um, also the the thing that I'm totally on board with, but my husband is not, this is like a point of contention between myself and my husband, is cooking for children. You put the food on the table and then you shut up. Like you literally do not talk to your children about the food. You don't try to convince them to eat more of their green vegetables. You don't try to convince them to only eat the protein first. Like you just let them eat what they want to eat because they know their bodies. Like they know what they need. They know what they like. They know what they want. They're going to eat it. You always want to serve them something you know they'll eat. So at least you know they're going to eat something. But um, she's been really, really super helpful. And I do think there is this movement happening in the world um, at least in my in my specific world, um, where there is this like lack of control around what children are eating and a more like take no thought for what you're eating, um, which is from the Bible, you know, take no thought of what you shall eat or what you shall put on. And um, that's something that I feel like is a really helpful tool and relationship to have um, you know, with food, um, especially as they grow up, it's, I do think it's really wonderful to have tools now and lots of different communication around this to help parents with, with making sure their kids don't grow up with this crazy relationship with food. Now I just have to convince my husband to shut up during mealtimes. Well, it's, it's really true because, you know, when you're talking about like giving food so much power, I mean, I had a moment yesterday where I was just like, craving carbohydrates, you know, and like carbs have been this like off limit thing for me. It's just like, you're allowed to have two slices of bread in the morning with butter and honey. And then that's it. Then you have things that have really low carbs and really low calories. Like that's just been this sort of like my, how my operating system is functioning. And, um, yesterday I was really like needing the energy and I was like, I'm just going to eat another freaking piece of bread, you know, like, and I'm going to have a couple more crackers because I want them. And I really had to challenge my mindset around the energy that I was taking in. And I just kept saying that to myself, like, this is energy. Like, it's not going to do anything to you that is negative. And to, to not give all of it so much power, because ultimately it is this um, tool that's used to control women in how they, you know, um, 
it's, it's all about buying power, I guess. Like I'm just, I think about how colonialism and capitalism operate and how women are sold so much, right? Like we, we were sold to buy all of these beauty products and all of these clothes and all of this food. And here's this perfect meal plan. That's going to make you the perfect version of the perfect woman. That's going to get you all the things, uh, you know, married and having a baby and da, 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 whatever it is, you'll be famous one day. Someone will discover you instead of just like, here's some food that's going to fuel your body so you can go on that run or do that workout and go about your day and live your life and, you know, just, just keep you going. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's, it's the unlearning for saying the patriarchy is not allowed to tell me how I'm supposed to look, how I'm supposed to feel, what I'm supposed to eat. And also like, I like, this is such a privileged problem. Like people around the world are food insecure are starving and they're not worried about what carbs they're putting into their body. And so I also try to like gain a ton of perspective on just like being grateful for the nourishment that I get to have in my life. The fact that I have to throw away food sometimes because it rots is something that weighs on me. Like when I throw it away, I'm like, okay, I need to do better because this isn't okay. Like there are people that don't have this, they don't have this option. And, you know, it's, it's a fine balance of, of trying to honor how you were raised and where you were raised and the society that you're raised in, but also just like zooming back out and looking at the world and being like, okay, I can take some pressure off myself because let's get some perspective here and let's recognize like that food is a blessing to have. And those choices are, are, we're so lucky to have those choices. And sometimes I feel maybe this is going to like existential, but sometimes I feel like, okay, I'm really going out there on this one. I feel like because white European settlers, um, in America robbed, you know, the native people of their land and basically were creating their own world, you know, this new world that they wanted to create. We don't really have a culture because we, we severed the ties that we had with Europe. And then when we came to America, we didn't, we didn't assimilate into the culture that existed. We tried to create our own. And so I feel like we are still creating our own culture because we don't have this tie to tradition or or traditions that we feel proud of you know slavery is certainly not a tradition that I feel like oh yeah I'm really thrilled that that's a part of my my lineage you know that's something that I'm coming to terms with um you know in this day and age and working through that horrible part of history you know that that was from my you know my ancestors that came to america and and so i feel like there's this like i'm just going to quote unquote it here you guys can take it out if you want like white people culture that is this like force that we're constantly trying to create these problems that we can solve and these like new identities to latch onto because we don't have ourselves rooted in any sort of cultural tradition that feels 
honorable and that feels true and that feels good. So I don't know, it's something I think about a lot and try not to buy into too much because I do feel like it's, um, you know, it's something that is very privileged. And so I do try and just like check myself in those ways. Well, you know, Jordan, I don't think that that's taking anything too far outside of the context of reality, right? Like I, I am in agreement with you and I would even take it a step further that like one of the reasons that we women feel so European women, right? Euro, Indo-Euron just, uh, I think is what we're considered Indo-Euro, something like that. Um, but, but European, our line, like a lot of our wisdom was taken from us and we, we called those women yeah. witches, right? Midwives. And so we're, we were disconnected from our, our earth. We were disconnected from working in the fields with our husbands. We were taken out of the birthing rooms and a lot of our knowledge was taken from us in order to establish this sort of new colonial model that then takes yeah. from the earth, which directly correlates to the Europeans who came to the new world. And, you know, my hope is that in having these conversations around the body and around nourishment and around, um, you know, how, how our relationship to our cultural identities, that we can sort of untangle some of the beliefs that we have. Like, really, why do I believe that, you know, if I'm a size, you know, whatever versus a size whatever, that that makes me less beautiful? Like, in the Black communities, that isn't necessarily true. In the yeah. Native communities, that isn't necessarily true. In the you know, sort sort of uh, Latinx communities that isn't necessarily true. I mean, there there's so many cultural realities, and ours is just one that is, you know, deeply rooted in control behaviors and sort of what we we would consider maybe negative. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's really interesting. I think something I'm struggling with currently um, as a woman in sort of my size and my relationship with wanting to take some pounds off, but obviously not betraying what my, what I feel like my relationship with food should be and has always been and honoring that. And I find that one of the things that has, that's been the hardest part for me is feeling sexy. Like my identity sexually is so related to my size and it's really fascinating for me right now because I'm just observing myself right now and my behavior and how I'm feeling. And, um, and my husband could care less. I mean, literally could care less. He's like, I love your curves. Like he is happy with me, whatever size he doesn't care, but my feeling of myself, like it's really hard for me to feel sexy if I have like a, a chubby stomach, you know, like it just like, it's really hard for me to get there. And, um, it's just fascinating. It's like, gosh, why is that? You know, what is that about? Like, it's so stupid. And I do feel like it's this, it's this like piece that is, um, it's like the patriarchy has robbed me of my sexual desire because of this image that they think I'm supposed to be, you know, totally. it's like this, I'm so mad, you know, um, which is, which is healthy. It's like, it's good to rebel against that, that story. Um, but it is really, it's really fascinating now as I get older and 
it's also funny because I've always envisioned myself like as an old lady, like kind of chubby and like not really thin and, you know, just like happy, a little bit plump, not too plump, you know, still healthy and still capable of getting around and everything. But I've never envisioned myself like this skinny mini for the rest of my life. But here I am in middle age feeling really unhappy with the size that I am. And like, I'm also really struggling because I have tried in my, you know, post baby years, I've tried like, oh, a 30 day program that eliminates, you know, all these things. And it's worked, you know, I've taken 10 pounds off or whatever. And, um, and have kept off five of those pounds, you know, kind of thing. But my desire to remain in a healthy relationship with food is, it's hard to see like the results that I want immediately with that approach. And so that's kind of where I'm at right now is like, okay, what does this next phase look like? And, and how much, how much acceptance of where I am is what needs to happen? Like, like, do I need to just accept the size that I am and be okay with that? Or do I honor the desire to be more fit? You know, like, I don't know. I'm just like in a very funny place. I'm not in an active place right now, like in terms of like making decisions about it. I'm really just in like the curious place right now of like, why can't it be both? Yeah. Yeah, totally. It can, it can. And, and I think that's, you know, that's part of it is, is exploring that idea that like, I can be satisfied with where I am and just achieve the activity and the nourishment that I desire, you know, and, and detach those behaviors from a result. I think that's the tricky thing is that we've been conditioned that eating a certain way or acting a certain way should result and yield certain things. And so detaching that result from, yeah, I mean, it's so interesting. I feel like of any time in my life, my most complicated issues have been post baby with, with food and my relationship. And, you know, to be fair, we haven't even talked about this, but my anxiety, a lot of my anxiety stems from my physical health and I struggle like with severe anxiety. And so if at some point I feel, um, unhealthy in my body, like I'm experiencing pain or discomfort or something, my anxiety kicks in and I immediately think it's because of something I ate because it's something that's so tangible to be able to fix. And the irony about that is that when I had a panic attack a few years ago and I was on pretty strong medication for about a month to kind of pull myself down, I could eat anything I wanted and none of it had any impact on my body. And so it showed me that the food is not the problem in that scenario. Like the food does not have that power. It's my anxiety that produces the pain and then the pain produces the anxiety and the pain, you know, it's a back and forth kind of thing with the anxiety and my body. Um, But that is something that has been very complicated in my adult life, um, in my recent years, you know, my relationship with food, my relationship with my anxiety, my relationship with my body. It's like a whole new world of, navigating this, um, you know, physical space that we live in.
I just wanted to circle back just for one second. Um, I love what you said about how we don't really have a culture. And then Jess, you like obviously expanded that a lot of, you know, our culture is based in control. And like I, uh, and Joe, how you were saying like rebel, like I think that's when it really clicked in that I really leaned into this healing because I was so resistant to it for so long. Like I was kind of putting off the program and I was like, well, maybe I'll do it, but I'll still be low carb or I just won't like, I just kind of making excuses. And then I think, I don't know what it was. Jesse had posted something or I saw something on Instagram and it just like all of a sudden I just wanted to rebel. Like I was just like, no one fucking knows, but me, like no one knows. I know my body knows. And like feeling empowerment in that. And then like, you know, having a lot of conversations with Jess and, just like about like the beauty standards and what's expected of us and the fucking patriarchy and like what like it's just it's like and how this has been like 31 years of my life and I never thought anything was wrong it was just normal it was just what I did obviously of course this is what I've always done this is what should be important and now just almost feeling like fucking pissed like are you kidding me like that's what was the most important thing to me no no we don't do that no not anymore and like please not anymore for like our future generations of women like no no more of this and like you know I think since we don't have a very like rich culture like it's interesting like Jordan then you like I know in the core of my soul in my faith in my being that my children were given to me because I'm the perfect parent for them that, that the relationship that I have with my children is going to bless both of us, that we are both going to grow exponentially because of the people we are and the partnership that we have as I raise them, as they raise me up. Um, and that, that is our intuition. Like that is knowing like in the hardest moments as a parent, if I go back to my intuition that's the right message. Like that is the right choice. And it's when I'm constantly trying to find the answer on Google or mommy blogs or Instagram or anything. Not that those things aren't helpful because oftentimes they can spark a quest in your intuition, you know, but I think that what you're saying about, you know, I know me, it's, it's the same for our relationship with ourselves. It's the same for our relationship with our partners. It's the same for our relationship with our children. Like that intuition, I believe, will lead us to our culture. Like that will lead us to the traditions that will ground us, the people that are important to us, the the types of qualities and things that we want to surround us in our life. You know, whether it's you know, going off grid in the mountains of Colorado and building your own, you know, colony with other families. Like, I'm not saying that's what I want to do, but I'm just saying like, as we follow our intuition and our true to our, you know, you know, quote unquote, if you want to call it your true North, you know, that will lead you to the places and people that we will be able to build a genuine Oof, culture yeah. that is built on qualities well, and, and yeah, not I, mean, I just like things. we keep talking and about not, not having a culture and I I like I keep I I keep challenge my challenging myself to say actually I just want to remember my culture like I want to remember mm. I want to remember the wisdom of my ancestors before 
colonial models. Um, right. And I want to remember my late relationship to the earth and in remembering my relationship to the earth and to the water and like to the planets. It, it helps me to understand that like, I, because I am not separate from it, it, it cannot have a negative impact on me. And what yeah. comes from the earth, we, we, we put our seeds into the ground and we watch them sprout and then turn into, uh, you know, fruit and vegetables and foods that we can then, you know, harvest from the grounds and feed our bodies. And that, that in feeding our bodies, like we are a part of the whole ecosystem and, and there is there is so much wisdom in that, and and that that that's why I don't need to be afraid for, of food, and afraid yeah. of my body, and expected to like, I I don't know I, and I know that we could go on for hours and hours around this, because you know for me it's like the way that the sort of colonial model. Uh, the capitalist model has just extracted from the earth. We extract from ourselves. Yeah. Um, and it's like self-flagellation in a certain way. So yeah. the more that I can yeah. like remember my, my, my ancient histories and my truest connection to the grounds, it like, it's helping me heal my relationship to my body and to the food that I eat and to the nourishment that I take in. Yeah, I love that you're talking about that. And, and to me, it's like, let's back to the spiritual, like it goes back to the existence of the spiritual and that we're all, we're all expressions and we're all um, honoring qualities within one another, whether that's the earth or ourselves or an animal. And so, you know, like, not, like just really going like as far back as you could possibly be where humanity doesn't have an identity yet. You know what I mean? Like that there our relationship with, with the earth and with the universe and everything is pre man, like is pre any identity attached to a man. Because I, I think especially for me in this, um in this world that we're living in right now, like I, I try to be really sensitive to like, um, appropriation. Word. It's where you, um, where you like grab onto somebody else's culture. What is that word? Appropriation. Yes. I'm like so sensitive to like appropriation, like to the intuition of like the spiritual, like that is truly without, um, physical characteristic, you know, and that it really just, I don't know. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I really love that idea and, and that, that, that relationship and that relationship is mutual, which I think is something that we really struggle with in our society is that, like you said, we're extracting, we're extracting, we're extracting, and we're not putting back. And, you know, the relationship that we have with the earth is cyclical and it's, it is in balance if we treat it right. You know, if we have the respect and we show up in the way that is loving and respectful to the earth, which is clearly not happening. Um, we could go on forever. Yeah. Um, I didn't know if you wanted to share anything. Oh I know gosh. you shared about like growing up with Jess problems. and that experience. I didn't know if you had any feedback about like seeing me and go through going through what I went through or um, how that maybe affected like, you know, because I was kind of like kind of like your little daughter for a little bit. And then like, yeah. I grew up and then you had Rosie. Um, so I don't know if 
if you wanted to share anything about that. Sure. Um, it's really interesting because listening to your story, Jillian, like I didn't realize that you didn't have an eating disorder until your senior year in high school. I feel like I just attached eating disorder to you from like the beginning. I mean, obviously not when you were like a toddler, but like, I thought you always struggled with it. Like from when you began adolescence, which was super interesting to me to listen to because I was like, wow, where did that come from? Like, how did I, how did I label you as that? Um, even before there was evidence of it. And to be fair, I was out of the house when the evidence presented itself. Like I wasn't actually there, um, during that time. Um, for me, I think, you know, as a parent now, it's hard for me to look at how I helped quote unquote raise you because I didn't have the tools that I needed at the time or the maturity at the time to know how to help you. And I think about like, you know, I, I know I've already talked to you about this, but I remember when you were a toddler and you were absolutely an exhibitionist, like you would jump right on stage and you would sing the songs that we were all singing in our musicals at the top of your lungs. Like there was, it didn't take a lot to get you to perform when you were little, but there's something that feels really wrong to me about asking a child to perform and not honoring whether or not they want to do that. And I am totally confident that we probably pushed you when you didn't want to do things. I don't think we did it in like a super dysfunctional way. Like I'm sure if you were crying and unhappy, but I do have this like one memory of us mom and you and I at dinner in like Arizona or something. And we wanted you to perform this dance from Pippin when you were like, I don't know, three and a half or four. Um, so we could get dessert or something. And, and I remember us like making you do it. And right now it makes me want to throw up, like thinking about that moment brings so much sadness to, to myself. Um, that we even put you in that scenario. Cause I think about my own children and how I would just never, ever, ever put them in that position. Like, and I know you say, like, we've talked about this and you say, gosh, I don't even remember that. And, but I also feel like there's a, like my relationship with your, um, your upbringing is more now as an adult is, is realizing how ill-equipped I was to be that model for you in life. Um, because I didn't really have the tools. Like we weren't raised with great communication skills or great, um, I don't know, like good parenting models, that type of thing. Um, and then I think as we, as we got older, because I was never really taught how to have great communication skills, I think as siblings, like it's interesting. I've definitely developed stronger communication skills with other areas of my life, like professionally, with my partner, with my children. But because we weren't raised as siblings, like I feel like our parents robbed us of like sisterhood and brotherhood. Not necessarily you and I, Jillian, because we did live together for a long time, but there was more of a like maternal relationship with you. When you started like truly having eating disorders, I just didn't, I don't, I didn't know how to show up for you. Like I, 
I didn't know. I didn't know what, what I could say or how I could support or if I should say this is fucked up, like you need, like if I should intervene. Um, and so I did what our parents did, which is just not say anything. Um, and I feel like one of the things I'm so grateful for right now that you guys are doing this is I feel like it's like opening this line of communication around this topic, which I feel like has almost been taboo because I've always wanted to honor your journey. Like I've always wanted to honor your experience and not butt in, but there have been times that have been really scary to me where I've like been really concerned for your health and your wellness. And like, if you want to have babies one day, is your heart going to be strong enough because you're bulimic? Like, you know, those things are really scary to me and I've never really known how to talk to you about those things. And so it's been, it's been complicated watching you go through, um, you know, your, your eating disorders or your disordered eating and, and all the different, all the different fad diets. I think that was probably like the hardest thing for me was that you, you know, quote unquote, cloaking healthy eating in these different versions of dieting and feeling like this is the same problem masked in a different title and just watching that behavior constantly and not knowing how to help you, you know, other than just sort of be there if you're willing to talk about it. I know like when you were here, we would go on hikes occasionally and once in a while I'd bring it up and, but it never really felt like anything I could talk to you about. And I didn't know if you wanted me to, like, I think it's really hard to know how to support somebody that's going through that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's been really hard as an adult, as an adult is knowing how to like, even Jess, like watching you go through, um, you know, what you've been through, like, clearly I could see that something was going on. I just didn't know how to bring it up. I didn't know if that was, if that was my place. And I think part of it is because I haven't had that relationship with food. I don't know how to show up in that way. You know, like there's definitely that, like, I don't know. Because there is so much shame that is associated with having an eating disorder. One of the biggest difficulties that I had was um, people talking about my body and talking about my food consumption. Um, it, it didn't actually help me. And what, what I found really helpful was um, I see that you're going through something right now. And if you want to talk about it, I'm here for you. And if there's anything I can do to support you, I just know that I'm here. Um, but Jillian, I, I actually want to share a story that I remember really clearly about recognizing in you what you were going through because we were sitting down. I think you were probably, it was probably, it was when you had come to New York, Jordan was still living here and we were all at some place just south of 14th street having like chocolate with some chocolate there was some chocolate place where you could get anyway um we had ordered dessert and you ate it really quickly and then you went to the bathroom and you were in the bathroom for just a little too long and I, I remember, remember getting yeah and I remember getting up from the table and being like I'm gonna go and check on Jillian and when I came in you were at the sink and you were washing two fingers and at that moment, I was like, are you throwing up? Because 
I knew exactly what washing two fingers meant. And, you know, I, it's another one of those moments where I was like, how do I support her in this? Because I can't, like, I can't take your lessons from you and you're going to do what you're going to do, right? Like, we're all going to make our decisions. And I remember saying to you, like, if you want to fuck up your voice, um, go ahead and keep doing it. Because I thought the right way to help you would be to just, like, threaten your potential success, right? right? I was like, what can I possibly do in this moment? Um, Because at that time, I wasn't experiencing um, an unhealthy relationship to food. I was cycling all the time. I was in this relationship. Like, I was distracted in other ways. But I think about that moment a lot. Um, You know, I just, it was this moment of not totally knowing how to help and I think yeah. that that also correlates to, you know, our parents in particular, our own mother not knowing quite what to do, right? Because as a as a parent, you know, we've talked a lot about Jordan, you and I, like, we didn't really have great communication models. And that's true. Um, but also, you know, they were doing the best with what they had. You know, they, they clearly didn't have... Um, models that were very good at communicating so they didn't know how to communicate to us and then we in turn didn't know how to communicate to those in our relationships that we we loved and wanted to help and 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 you're right it is good to have these conversations so that we can find new dialogues and and the best that I can say for myself is just like you know I am here if you want me I am not judging you please know that I love you and like um, you tell me what it is that you need. Yeah. You, know, you did that for me the other day, Jordan, you said, you know, next time you find yourself in an unhealthy relationship, what, what should I be paying attention to? And what can I do to try and help you? Hopefully the answer is I will not choose <laughs> that type of partnership again. And that like part of this eating disorder, self-worth control, manic kind of energies are you know getting dealt with on a on a really profound level but you know at that moment jill i wish that i just you know i I don't i mean i don't know like we could all go back in time and i wish i was this i wish i was that but also these are really personal journeys like they just are sometimes you have to you know work your way through that karma yeah Um, it's funny too because like Mom threatened me too. I remember it was when I was at PCPA and I got in trouble with the choreographer at the time because I almost passed out during rehearsal. And he was like, Listen, you need to fuel yourself. Like, I'm going to tell your mom. Like, he knew my mom and whatever. And I got, like, I was at a party for my 21st birthday and I just was, I had had like a power bar and was just like so not okay the next day and I remember mom had come to town to take like me and my friends out to brunch and she just was like if you don't stop doing this I'm pulling you out of school she was like you're not gonna stay like you're not gonna be able to do theater and I'm pulling you out and I was like uh okay um and I mean again like I'm not saying that's a useful tool absolutely not but I feel like a lot of people probably did reach out to me, a lot of friends in different ways, maybe that were more loving. But when you're so in the control loop of it, like it's in one ear and out the other. Like someone could be like, I really love you. I really care about you. 
I want to help you. How can I help you? And it's just like, oh, I don't need your help. Like, I'm good. Like, I have it handled. Like, I'm handling it. Like, I have the control right now. So, like, it's fine. Like, I'm fine. At some point, I you do know? remember having a conversation um, with mom. So, yeah. About, gosh, in my brain, it could have been Jess. It could have been Jillian. I don't know. Um, about, like, eating disorder. And I remember mom saying, well, you can talk till you're blue in the face, but until they're ready to listen. And now, as a parent, I'm like, uh, no, that's not, that's not enough. <laughs> you know, like... Um, I feel like there are definitely ways that you can intervene. I think when your children are younger, you know, I think that's really when as a parent, you've got to step in if you see that behavior, because that's when you do have more control over your child's existence. <laughs> Not to say that it, it will solve the problem, but I do think as a parent, you know, you do have the tools, you can put them in therapy, you can get them a nutritionist, you can you know, but I even like, I hear, because I'm part of mom's groups and stuff. I see these women who say they took them to like, they took their child to the general practitioner, doctor, whatever. And the doctor tells the child that they're overweight. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Oh my gosh. I mean, even it's so interesting. Like our neighbor, Tara has two little boys, Henry and Caleb. Henry's probably Ray's age. And he's like, Henry's a tank, man. He's, he's like, this stocky little dude. And Tara was like, yeah, I'm like kind of worried about him. And I was like, why? I was like, dude, he's going to hit adolescence and he's just going to go, whoop, you know, like boys always do that. Like they just like chunk up and then they like stretch out and it doesn't even matter. Like, oh my God. It's like the fact that any of us have any sort, like I follow this woman on Instagram and she has the most precious child. She's a cook. So she's always posting pictures of her kids eating her food. And she has the most precious little boy. He's got to be like, I don't know, nine or 10. And he loves food and he is so adorable. He's got these like chubby cheeks and you know, he's this adorable child who loves food. And she makes really hearty, nutritious food. And people have fat shamed him like on her Instagram. And she has posted saying to all of you who are doing this, my child is healthy. We, we serve like really healthy food in our family. It's not my job to control what he's eating. He's a healthy child. Like love you all bless you. Like she's really like really lovely about it where I'd be like, are you fucking kidding me? Block, 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 you know, just like, are you kidding me? Um, but there is this like, there's this judgment around anybody who's outside of what is considered quote unquote normal, what normal is like normal is different for everybody. Yeah, and especially mm -hmm. when it comes to children who haven't even hit puberty yet. I mean, like, let's, exactly. there's a difference between, like, you know, feeding your child really, really unhealthy food and, and yeah. their, their health being affected and just, like, sort of being a kid who hasn't gone through, like, their, their growing phases yet. But I yeah. did want to touch on something that, that you had said, you know, Jordan, you know, you can send your kids to therapy, you can send them to a nutritionist, but, but that's, that's provided you have healthcare that supports that yeah. or that you have yeah. the financial means to do that. And yeah. I think that had, you know, had, had we had the financial means, probably, you know, mom would have had more to work with around at least me 
dealing with an eating disorder. I mean, I, I do think that like both of our parents did choose to just kind of turn a blind eye. But I do also think that a lot of that had to do with the knowledge that that there wasn't really the support that they would have needed as parents to support their children at that time. And that is, that's an important thing to note as well, because my ability to see a dietitian now is because I happen to be on a, a healthcare uh, plan that allows me to do so. And yeah. that that's a, that's a gift and that's really important. Which is another reason why I guess we wanted to start this podcast, right? Is just to talk about it so that people can hear like every individual's journey and then maybe apply some of that wisdom to their own life if they can't actually afford to see a dietitian or totally. go to a therapist, yeah. which by the way is next to impossible to find, you know? I Yeah. So and we have a couple questions that we like to ask everyone who comes on. Yeah. So we already did like the, you know, your first moment. So I guess, Joe, to like kind of wrap it up, um, what I guess, well, I mean, I guess you kind of wrapped it up, but you can go back over it. But where do you feel like you are? I mean, I mean, I know you were kind of expressing that you're in kind of a weird like observation phase right now as far as like where you are with food and your body and your physical and your mental and your health and, you know. Do you want to speak any more on that or do you feel good about where you are? I don't feel great about where I am. I think I've like, I've realized in the last, um, probably in the, like since the pandemic started, um, and I actually do blame the pandemic. <laughs> I've become a stress eater for sure. Like I just, when I get stressed, I want to fill that, that hole with, a cookie, like with a bowl of golden grams. Like I definitely more than ever before, it is absolutely the pandemic that shifted this behavior for me because I was able to exercise control before the pandemic. And then the pandemic hit and I just feel like comfort, comfort, comfort became my like go-to from like a food standpoint, which is really interesting to me to be observing about myself. Um, so I'd say that's like the thing that I'm most curious about in my relationship with food right now is what is that about? Am I not feeling satisfied in other areas of my life or am I truly just too stressed? I mean, there's a, there's like a shit ton going on in my life right now. And I was telling one of my friends about it the other day, cause I've been feeling like kind of down and depressed. And after I was like talking to her, I was like, huh, I guess I know why I'm feeling kind of down. <laughs> And I was like, okay, there's just a lot going on right now. It's totally fine. I'm just in one of those like funky phases. It's fine. Um, but with like, with relation to food, I have recently like with the stress eating, feeling so stressed out and then also feeling like there is absolutely zero time for me to do much physically. And also it's been so hot in Boulder and hiking is my thing. That's like the thing I love to do. And I don't like doing it right now because it's too damn hot. Like it is so effing hot. And so it's been really hard for me this summer to like find joy in physical activity because the one thing that I really, really love doing, um, I don't feel like is fun anymore. So I'm in this kind of funky place right now with my relationship with my body and food and stress. And so I'm just sort of like looking at it, trying not to judge it too harshly. And then 
hopefully we'll, you know, start making some better decisions soon (laughs) to serve myself better. But I've also been trying really hard um, to give myself a lot of grace because there's so much to do in my life right now. I like have a million jobs right now um, and truly don't have a lot of time and everything comes with a cost in my life right now. So like if I were to get up early to go for a hike when it's still cool, that means I would have to get up at like five 30 in the morning that comes at the cost of my sleep. And you both know that I'm a nightmare if I don't sleep. So everything's just coming at a cost right now. And that's where I'm at is like, what is the cost I want to pay? What is the price I want to pay for what I want to do? Because I can't, actually fit everything in. Um, and that's okay. I'm trying to just like get through this phase. It should end soon, just another couple months and then things should feel a little bit more smooth. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, that's where I'm at. Nice. Jordan, we love you so much. Thank you so (laughs) much for like being open and vulnerable and sharing not only your experience as a sister, but as a daughter and as a mother and as a human in the world. <laughs> um, we love you. I love, love you. you love you too. Thanks for having me on. And I just, I just, I think the last thing I really want to say is just, I'm just sorry I couldn't support you in the way that you needed to be supported as you were going through this. Like, it just like kind of breaks my heart and not in like a judgment to myself. Like I'm not like, I don't feel like mad at myself. Um, I'm just sad that I didn't have the tools and that I wasn't taught the tools or given the opportunity, you know, with our parents and the relationships that we built and whatever to like know how to show up for you in these moments. And I'm like eternally grateful that this door has been opened because I, I just adore you guys and want to be here for you in, you know, the best way that I can show up for you in this journey that you guys are having and in our journey as sisters. And I'm so proud of you guys for, um, starting this podcast and being so vulnerable and talking about it. And I really feel like it's gonna, it's just gonna help a lot of people. And I'm just really happy for you guys. Oh, Thank you. I love you. I love, I love you, you too. too. Love you so much. <laughs> Jesse, what is one thing you took away um, from our conversation with Jode? And then is there a win from the last week that you want to celebrate or maybe a challenge that you want to share? Yeah, I mean, I think what I what I'm just, what I took away from today's conversation and what I am continually taking away from these conversations that we're having with women is just, um, how important it is to ask each other what we can do to support each other in our various challenges, um, so that we really do know how to show up. Um, and I guess a win would be like eating, (laughs) you know, four pieces of bread and like eight crackers yesterday and just being like, fuck it. (laughs) I'm going to eat all the carbs because clearly I want them. And I, I did, I just ate them. I was just like, whatever, I'm just going to eat the carbs. Who gives a shit? Um, so that was a win that felt like a win. And I didn't wake up this morning being like, I'm not going to eat any carbs today. 
I was just like, whatever, I'm still going to eat all the almond butter and crackers and bread that I want. Jess, that's huge. That's amazing. I'm really, really proud of you. Um, That's big. And how about you? Yeah, I think from our conversation just now with Jordan, um, I think I took away, like, I, I really loved what she shared about, like, kind of, you know, she didn't deal with disordered eating, but I love the information she's sharing about, like, post, you know, kids and how she's, like, really kind of juggling what health and wellness means to her and, like, while she does want you know, to lose a little bit of weight. She wants to keep her healthy relationship with food. And I like that she said she was just like in the observing phase. Like she hasn't really, she's not in the action phase. She's just kind of observing how she's feeling and the thoughts she's having. Um, I really loved that she talked about her experience post kids as a mom trying to balance her health and wellness um, and kind of what that looks like and how that relationship also shifts. Even when you've had a healthier relationship with food that it's kind of always shifting, but you know, we talked a lot about how it's it's our intuition, right? That's what we always come back to. And then I kind of had a struggle this past week. I was filming. Um, I do like different little workout reels for my fitness. I'm a fitness trainer at Body by Simone. Anyways, I was filming some reels and it's usually the same way I film it, but I just was like really starting to spiral. Like I was like, Oh my God, you're so fat. You're not as thin as you should be. No one's going to want to look at that. Like just spiraling. Like, why would anyone look at this? Why would anyone do your workout? Like, and I was like, just whatever, film them to like, leave it for today and look at it tomorrow. And you know, if you feel good about editing this workout and posting it so people can hopefully use it, then do it. And if not, then you won't like, it's fine. And the next day I went back and I looked and I just was like, no, I'm gonna like post this. Like, it's not about me. Like I'm doing this so other people can have an accessible workout that's quick for them if they need it. And like, I was kind of able to talk myself down from like the ego and my vanity and just be like, no, this is good work. Like I worked hard. I showed up to the studio like two hours early to do this. Um, you know, I put this together so that it would, you know, get all the, you know, I just was like, fuck that. Like vanity and my ego will not win. This is something that I'm going to do. So that was kind of like a struggle and a win. But yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I love the idea of depersonalization too, because like, you know, what, what the world is seeing isn't what you're seeing. And the story around body dysmorphia is huge. So, you know, I think you're beautiful and I love your workout videos. (laughs) thank you guys so much for listening we so appreciate you um please follow us on instagram not that kind of girl podcast and dm us if you want to be on the show if you know anyone that would be on the show or just give us any feedback anything you'd want to hear what you like what you didn't like um you can find us on spotify and yeah we can't wait um for the next episode thank you